Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today it's time to jump in to Magic Round. Feeling very magical too today. Uh, not quite pull a rabbit out of a hat hat level, but um, definitely feeling quite magical. Magic is in the air. It takes me back to my idol, magician, Chris Angel. What a badass rock star. But this is not about Chris Angel. This is about magic though, so slightly relevant because it is going to be Magic Round Round 10 of the NRL in Suncorp Stadium. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking maybe it's in Las Vegas. That's a place, many, many magic shows in Vegas. But the magic will be taking place in Briz Vegas this weekend. And there's going to be a lot of fun games between sides that are really close together on the ladder for the most part as well. Everyone's going to be in the one place. Magical. And of course, uh, last week, I didn't get my preview out. There were issues. We have issues sometimes. But I'm about to move out and the issues are no longer stopping. And I don't even know. Not that bad of an issue, obviously. But there were technical issues. Not so magical. But it wasn't magic round. So this week, I've worked the magic and we are going to get the preview out there. I'm alongside JJ, who... Are you feeling magical? Well, I wasn't actually feeling magical earlier today. It was the fullest, most magical extent. But I think we're feeling quite magical now. Yeah, I woke up feeling only semi-magical, but I made a pretty magical recovery to be here right now, and I'm pumped to get into the preview. There we go, and if you want to listen to my thoughts on the round, that was round nine. The NRL Power Plug is out there. Uh, sorry, I wrote plug. I was supposed to plug it, not say plug. But uh, yeah, best place to find that on Instagram, at not just a sports report. This is going to be magical, so let's get straight into it. The early Friday game opening us up. We have the 15th placed Bulldogs, 16th placed Knights. And if you look at the spots on the ladder, maybe not such a magical game. But when you actually look at this game objectively, it's going to be an awesome game. Really close contest with a lot on the line as well. Last time out, the Knights lost to the Cowboys. That was their seventh straight loss as well. So Newcastle, yeah, not magical. I can tell you that much. Sorry for saying magical a lot already, but it is. Tell me what round it is, and then, yeah, then if you have a problem, um, I don't know. Yeah, hit me up at Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram. For the Dogs, their last performance, they lost to the Raiders. But the Dogs are still building. They're, their position on the ladder, a little bit more forgivable, forgivable than the Knights, who have made the top eight the last two years. They're supposed to be progressing. They've signed Ponga for five years. But seven or six straight losses at this point. No, seven. It, they've already had their seventh straight loss. So a loss here would be their eighth straight. That's bad. That's, yeah, finals gone skis, I would say. So really not good for the Knights. Dogs, not much better, but they are definitely building in a better direction, just in my opinion, at least. Looking at the ins and outs for this game, Chris Patolo comes onto the bench for Ava. Sayomanganafangai, uh, that was pretty good. Um, so a bit of bench action, bench changes. 
That, that's been a change that's been made a few times throughout the season. They've kind of rotated the two of them. And for the Knights, Adam Clune is back at halfback. And Mitch Barnett, Wooshka, bit of magic, finds himself back in the fold. And yeah, he will have learned from his brain explosion. So it'll be interesting to see how Barnett controls his aggression because that is pretty much what his whole game is built on. So I don't think he's going to lose too much of that, but maybe none of the uh, forearm to the face. But he is coming to the Warriors, so hell yeah, go Warriors. Now, no Gagai, no Frizzell for the Knights, so they will be missing some key personnel. But as I said, Clune and Barnett, pretty decent inclusions, especially when it comes to their experience which the Knights are lacking a bit around the park. And look, this has a lot of wooden spoon relevancy, which dogs were the wooden spooners last year. Knights have collected a couple of wooden spoons in recent years. And yeah, after trying to get out of that kind of pattern in that top or bottom four, rather, they both find themselves in a game where the loser, you're well and truly in wooden spoon relevancy. Like that's kind of what you got to be thinking about, right? Like finals, that ship is starting to sail. So you really got to get some wins, a couple of losses, and then it becomes like, okay, we got to get off the bottom of the ladder. So it could be dire for the loser of this game, but for the winners, they will have a great boost, get a bit of confidence from the win. So really interested to see which side can pull through. And for the Knights, Anthony Milford incoming, in my opinion. He's available to be selected from round 11, so that is the next round. And you want to talk about magic? Well, Anthony Milford certainly has it. He seemed to lose it a little bit during his stint at the Broncos, but he found it again toward the back end of last year, and I have no doubt he will be able to find it again. So I am fully expecting Anthony Milford to step into the halves from next round onwards. And when you want to talk about halves, Matt Burton for the Dogs has been absolutely incredible. Had something like 11 tackle breaks against the Raiders in a losing side. So Burton, very hard to handle. He is one of the premier 5.8s of the competition. I know he's young, so he hasn't quite got to the level of a Jerome Luai or Cameron Munster, but Matt Burton is absolutely the real deal. I have no doubt about that. So Bulldogs just trying to work out how they build their side around him. Back to the Knights, looking to avoid their eighth straight loss. That is... That's not good. That is bad. That's really bad. And as a Warriors fan, I said to JJ, I was like, how the hell are we 10th? But if we're 10th and I haven't been impressed at all by our form, then gee whiz, like Knights fans, I feel for you guys. Like things looked really promising at the start of the season. And if they are to get going, well, in this episode of the podcast, instead of an X Factor player or thinking like that, I am going to release a bit of a magic man. And that doesn't necessarily mean that their magic's going to win this game. It's just, who's someone with a bit of magic and all about that kind of flair on the big stage? Well, this occasion's going to be good. I saw they had light, light up posts. So, wowza, you know, they were going all out for magic round. Uh, and my magic man, Kellen Ponga. They're trying to build this side around him. Right now, depth, absolutely an issue. And he can't do it all on his own. So that's the issue. You want to get Kellen Ponga's magic right into the game. There's been talk of switching him to the halves. I think keep him at fullback. Once Milford's there, throw Milford into the halves. And there's someone right there that can help to take the pressure off Kellen Ponga. But he is the magic man. He can't do it all alone, but they are going to need some magic from Kellen Ponga to get them over the line in this game. And the halves situation... Look, it, it's a bit of an interesting one. I just don't think it's the right time for Kalimponga to be switched into the halves, like mid-season. 
you're sitting last. Maybe that's the catalyst for it. But yeah, I don't think that's going to fix anything, to be honest. Moving like, yeah, it'll get his hands on the ball more. But like, I, I can't see them doing a hell of a lot with that. I could definitely be wrong. And maybe next year he moves to the halves. But I think it's a weird time to do it just like abruptly in response to form. That just shows that maybe your plan going forward longer term, the structures aren't there. So Kellen Ponga, he is the magic man in a team that is severely lacking some magic right now. Someone see if they can sign David Blaine up on the free agency because they seriously need him. Now, key battle for this game is going to be the middle forwards. David Clemmer has been outstanding all season, but again, he can't do it alone. He's going to need the help of the Saifidi brothers who always pack a punch. But then outside of that, the Knights can be caught lacking a bit, especially without Tyson Frizzell. I don't think Kurt Mann is playing in this one. I could be wrong. Maybe he's back in. Uh, but yeah, the Knights forward pack definitely lacking. Whereas I think like Luke Thompson, Paul Vaughan, Tevita Pangai, Josh Jackson for the Bulldogs. That's a forward pack that I can see really standing up and causing this Knights team some real issues. So I think the battle is going to be won in the middle. And my point of difference for this game is Matt Burton. As I said, look, he looks like an absolute killer number six. And for the Knights, they're weighing up, where do they play Ponga? Is he their number six? Is he their number one? Well, the Bulldogs know exactly who their number six is for the next five to ten years. That's the point of difference. Matt Burton knows his role. There's no talk like, oh, maybe Burton moves to the centers again or to fullback. He knows his role. He has clarity around the situation. And the Dogs, are, you'd have to say, are going in more of an upward trajectory than the Knights. Even though the Knights looked good in the last couple of years, under Adam O'Brien, now they seem, I don't know, it's really hard to tell whether this is just like no Jaden Braley and maybe they bounce back next year. But I, I love their first 17. Their best 17 is awesome. Definitely a finals team. But once you start taking a few players out of that lineup, that's where I thought the Knights would really struggle when I did the season preview. I had them in 13th. And yeah, they're going even worse than I thought. So Definitely need a win in this game, the Knights. It is very difficult to pick this one. But when I think about how this is going to go down, 15th versus 16th, I actually like the Bulldogs. I've been waiting for the right time to pick them in a game because I actually think they're going in the right direction despite sitting 15th. And I don't know where the Knights go from here if they lose, but there is more upside in the Dogs. I really like that left side of Matt Burton onto Aaron Shop. On to Josh Adokar, who is a superb finisher out on that wing. So I'm going to be taking the Bulldogs only just. JJ, when it comes to this game, Bulldogs up against Knights. What is your read on this one? Yeah, very interesting clash to kick Magic Grand off. Uh, I tend to agree with a lot of your points. The uh, Kalen Ponga suggestion to the halves smacks a little bit of desperation, maybe is a little bit of a window into where the Knights' thinking is at, um, which is a bit of it's a bit of a shame after like they had a bit of a strong start to the season. Um, Knights fans probably had their hopes up there for a second, but overall, I, I tend to agree with you. The trajectory for the Bulldogs is better. The the last few performances have definitely shown something. I mean, they took down the Roosters, which is definitely a scalp. Uh, and yeah, in this one, if the the Knights are to get up, like. Ponga has to reach deep into his bag of tricks, deep into those tricks uh, to pull the win out. But I can't see it happening. I, I imagine it being a pretty dour affair, maybe low scoring. 
maybe not as much magic as we'd like, but uh, I agree with you. I think the Bulldogs are going to pull it out. All right, moving on to our Friday night game now. We have the seventh-placed Manly Seagulls up against the eighth-placed Broncos in the top eight. This It's a good amount of time into the season now where, like, that does matter. So Broncos looking much improved this year. Broncos are back, at least in some regard. Adam Reynolds, an amazing signing, absolute game-changer. And, yeah, it's remarkable that the Broncos are a top-eight side, but... They definitely have the cattle to make it work. They definitely have the team on paper that should be playing finals. But last couple of years, things, you know, young talent and things on paper didn't translate to on-field success. But Adam Reynolds, an absolute game changer. For the Seagulls, the flat track bully tag hasn't gone away. I mean, they beat the Tigers last weekend. Woohoo. Like, that doesn't stop the flat track bully tag. Brisbane are a top eight side, so Manly yet to beat a top eight side this year. I think they'll get a big lift trying to get it done. The Broncos, it's not as big an accomplishment with the greatest respect as beating a Panthers or a Storm or an Eels or like anyone else from the top eight who's actually been in the top eight the last couple of years. But Broncos, they're playing like a top eight side. They are a top eight side right now, so that still counts. Manly Seagulls. If they lose this one, then the cause for concern, I think, begins. Kieran Foran, he has signed to the Titans next year. That's a huge signing. I think he'll go really well there if he can stay injury-free, which he's managed to do at Manly, and that's going to allow Josh Schuster to step into the halves. They also have a really quality young halfback called Jamie Humphreys, so maybe he gets a little bit of game time as well. And look, this game is going to be very interesting. We have under the radar Des Hasler up against the brilliant Kevin Walters, both as a player and now as a coach. He is bringing back that DNA of what the Brisbane Broncos are all about. And look, the Broncos have been unreal. Three straight wins, wins over the Dogs, Sharks and Rabbitohs. So Rabbitohs last season's grand finalists, Sharks playing awesome, they're a top four side, so... Broncos aren't just beating like the Tigers or the Knights and things like that, like the Seagulls have been. So you'd have to say Brisbane potentially in better form than the Manly Seagulls going into this one. Although, as I said, Seagulls did roll the Tigers. Now, last round, Adam Reynolds, he was my X-Factor player of round nine. There were a lot of contenders for that one, but I had to go with Reynolds. He stepped up majorly, scored a try assisted that Corey Oates try and he was just so involved in getting the win over his former side the Rabbitohs so look Reynolds coming off x-factor player of the round that tells you all you need to know about how important he is to the Brisbane Broncos side and he is the captain as well now looking at the ins and outs Halmole Olikawatu is back after a late withdrawal last weekend Josh Schuster is out of this game as well with Ethan Bullimore moving into the back row Ethan Bullimore, of course, signing with Manly this year from the Brisbane Broncos. So he's a Broncos junior, former Brisbane Bronco at NRL level as well, going up against his side for the first time, or against his former side now. Looking at some other changes, for the Broncos, Payne Huss and Kurt Capewell are both back. So again, like things looking really good for the Broncos. They got that win last week without Payne Haas, without Kurt Capewell, so they are only going to be boosted by those inclusions in this one. They are going to be against the three Trebojevich brothers, though. That's right, three. You want to talk about magic? Holy shit, this fucking family. 
is magic. The genes are magic. Like these kids are freaks. They all work extremely hard, but now Ben Trebojevic in the mix as well. Tom Trebojevic back too. So he is a major, major inclusion. He is the inclusion, the biggest inclusion. So to have all three Trebojevic brothers and have them all get a lift from playing alongside each other, that does make the Manly Seagulls a dangerous side in this one. And we see Patrick Carrigan for the Broncos. He moves to lock with Kobe Hetherington moving to the bench and TC Rabadi to the reserves. Now, Magic Man, this one too obvious. Tom Trebojevic always gets through his work. Does the tough stuff as well, but we all know he scores the tries, he sets them up, he runs for insane amounts of meters, and he's a total game changer. So the Magic Man in this has to be Tom Trebojevic. If he's not playing then Broncos could potentially be the favourites in this one. But Trebojevic is playing Tom of the Tom variety, but all of them are playing except Luke. I don't know if he, I don't know what his go is. Um, but yeah, Tom Trebojevic, how could he not be the magic man? Manly, much better for having him in the side going into this one. And the key battle, the halfbacks, Adam Reynolds and Daly Cherry Evans, both experienced their kicking game is a huge part of the game plan for both of their sides. They're both respective captains of their team as well. So that is going to be an absolutely critical battle. How the experienced captain halfbacks go around. DCE, look, he's been in really, really good form, but Adam Reynolds gives the Brisbane Broncos a huge lift. So that's going to be very interesting. And also how the 5'8s work alongside them, because we know Karen Foran, that is very established that he can work well with Daly Cherry Evans. They've won a premiership together. Whereas on the other side for the Broncos, Tyson Gamble and Adam Reynolds, still a newer combination. But out of all the options that Reynolds could be partnered by, it seems like Tyson Gamble has the most similarities to Cody Walker. Even just with that intense kind of hard game style where he gets in people's face and isn't afraid to be a bit of a pest. So extremely talented player and it is going to be important how these 5.8s work with their halfbacks. Key battle, though, between Cherry Evans and Reynolds. And my point of difference, if Brisbane is to get the win here, then I think their centres, Herbie Farnworth and Katoni Staggs, they are the point of difference. Like, Farnworth is deceptively big. He's actually a lot bigger than he seems on TV, coming from someone who's never met him. But I saw a picture, and I was like, holy shit, I didn't realise just how big Herbie Farnworth actually is. Katoni Staggs is a gun. It seems like now he's overtaken Stephen Crichton as the favourite to be in the New South Wales Blues centre position to replace Luttrell come origin time. So major point of difference. We're going to have Staggs up against Toletau Kohler. So that is going to be an unreal battle. Staggs with the experience. But you'd have to say Kohler with the speed advantage. And on the other side, Ben Trebojevic coming off the best game in his young career so far in the centres. He's going to be up against Herbie Farnworth. So I think those two center battles are going to be really critical in the game as well. And if the Broncos are looking for that point of difference, then definitely Katoni Staggs and Herbie Farnworth out on those edges. They are a massive point of difference. But look, this prediction has been a really tough one because I think it's almost time to believe in the Brisbane Broncos the same way I've started to believe in the Cowboys. But this is the game. If the Broncos win this, then like, damn, I'm a believer. This is a final side this year. But ultimately, look, I think the Manly Seagulls with Tom Trebojevic are going to be a very, very strong side. I am losing belief in Manly, if I want to talk about belief. 
So a win here, definitely crucial. It's going to be exciting, a very close one. I can absolutely see this going to Golden Point or being decided by a two-point field goal. And that is where the key battle comes in between Cherry Evans and Adam Reynolds because this is going to be a very close one in my opinion. That's just my opinion. It could very easily be a blowout, but that is what makes the halfbacks so important in this one. And as I said, very close, could go to Golden Point. So I am very torn on this one. But I'm going to take the Manly Seagulls. I think they're going to be fired up. The Trebojevic brothers are going to be a major inclusion. Like having Tom back in the side for a couple of weeks now and Ben in that center position is a massive game changer. So with not a heap of confidence, I'm going to take the Seagulls over the Broncos in a Friday night game that I am very excited to watch. So taking the Seagulls over the Broncos. But this is going to be a very interesting clash, JJ. Friday night, who are you taking in this Magic Round game? Yeah, I really like what you're saying there. The spotlight is definitely going to be on the halves here. Uh, but my Magic Men or Magic Men and Women and Children for this one is actually going to be the Suncorp crowd. I reckon they're going to be, it's going to be rocking. It's going to be so loud that Atmos is going to be crazy. And the Broncos are in a little bit of a purple patch right now. I've, I've really liked what Manly's put together over the season. As you kind of said, DCE and four and just clinical at times, especially DCE's kicking, just tormenting fullbacks. But for this one, I just see it as one of those games where the belief's going to be so strong and definitely the Broncos can match the Eagles. Uh, I like your call on Golden Point or, or a really close game. I could see it playing out like that. But for me, I'm going to take the Broncos in, I don't know if it's an upset, but yeah, I guess on paper, a little bit of an upset. Up next on Super Saturday Magic, um, tenth place Warriors, my side. How how we're tenth? Not quite sure, but good on you lads. Up against the ninth placed Rabbitohs, seeming like a bit of a far cry from that team that made the grand final last year with the likes of Wayne Bennett as the coach, Adam Reynolds, and Dane Gagai. Just not the same strike in that side. Early in the season though, for the Warriors, Tohu Harris, our captain is back. That is the inclusion I've been waiting all year for. It's a shame that Josh Cohn isn't there in the Ford pack alongside him, but Torhu Harris back. That is a huge inclusion. And the Warriors coming off that shocking loss against a 12-man at a point, 11-man Sharks team. So yeah, that was highly disappointing. I spouted off about that in my NRL Power podcast. And for the Rabbitohs, they were outgunned by the Broncos for the second time this season. Shining a spotlight that the Adam Reynolds thing is a major loss. And look, Lachlan Neely is still very young in his career. It is no knock on him. He's actually been going really, really well. But, I mean, yeah, they were outgunned twice by the Broncos. Only one of those times Reynolds was playing. But it does shine a light. I mean, the Rabbitohs, they've been similar in recent years. Like, they haven't always been up in the top four at this stage of the season. So, not total panic stations, but they're definitely... Not the same side that they were last year. Now, looking at the ins and outs, Torhu Harris is in, into the back row for Eliezer Katoa, who drops out, and Marcelo Montoya is back from his homophobic slur. So, Montoya had a stint on the sidelines, Rocco Berry is out, and I definitely think he needs more time to develop. I'm a huge fan of Rocco Berry's. I think he's part of our future in the next five or so years, but... 
his defense, like every time he plays, there are a lot of tries that get scored on the side he's defending on. And it's definitely not all his fault, but I have noticed that that side of the field tends to get carved up. So a little bit more time to develop for Rocco Berry. And we see listed amongst the extended reserves, Ronald Volkman and Freddie Lusick both released from the Roosters to join the Warriors effective immediately. I'm especially excited about Ronald Volkman, a young halfback slash 5'8", who he's signed for three years. Lusick is just signed till the end of this year uh, to give, I think, Taniela Otukolu just some more time to develop. But Ronald Volkman, someone I am very, very excited about going forward for the Warriors. Cameron Murray for the Rabbitohs, he is out, so that is a massive loss for them. Cody Walker was captain the side in Murray's absence. That'll see Jai Arrow move to lock. Jacob Host, or Host sorry, returns to the side. He'll be starting in the back row. And Tom Burgess is back after being a late scratching last week. We see Jackson Paulo has been named at left center. He'd been on, listed on the bench last couple of weeks. And Cody Nicarima has joined the Rabbitohs effective immediately. He is going to be debuting for the club in the number 14 jersey. First game for the Rabbitohs up against the Warriors. So how is that for timing? That's the NRL in a nutshell. I remember when Cody Nicarima signed with the Warriors. A couple of weeks later, they were playing the Broncos so that he'd signed from. So that's the NRL. One week a bloke can be wearing York team's jersey. The next he could be in another I'm not going to complain about it. The Warriors have nabbed a couple of guys like Reese Walsh. We literally just got Ronald Volkman and Freddie Lusick. But yeah, that is the NRL for you. Cody Nicarima, first game in Rabbitohs colors up against the Warriors. But he will have some dish to dirt. He'll be like, this is the game plan. This is essentially what they're going to try and do. And this is their deficiencies. This is how we exploit that. So that is a big in for the Rabbitohs. Cody Nicarima up against the Warriors. And some of the narratives, obviously, no Adam Reynolds. They're looking like a shell of their 2021 team. That doesn't mean that they couldn't win the season. You know, there's still plenty of time to go. But they just don't have that same vibe about them. There's going to be no Luttrell in this game, as there has been for weeks now. And no Cameron Murray. So they're missing strike across the park everywhere. And when, that's especially when you include that Adam Reynolds has departed the club. Dane Gagai departed the club. So... A lot of names missing from this Rabbitohs lineup that were part of the major build and foundation of what actually got them to the grand final. Coach included as well with Jason Demetriou taking over this year finally, serving a very long apprenticeship under Wayne Bennett. But Wayne Bennett, there's a guy right there who is missing from this Rabbitohs setup as well. Going to be the Dolphins going forward. So that is another very interesting one. What hasn't been very interesting, the Warriors super super ordinary in recent times they cannot let this top eight chance slip like how they are sitting 10th is kind of beyond me but it's like win that's kind of this is what it's like being a Warriors fan we get level 10th like get pumped up and yeah it just it fucks up somewhere along the line that has been the pattern for years and years and years majority of the years that I've watched the Warriors it's been really really mediocre I am keeping the faith no doubt, but they can't let this top eight chance slip. And just like, I mean, this is basically like if I had a girlfriend and she's cheated on me for the last like 20 years and I'm like, you know what? 
It's like, oh, 10th position. It's like, you know what? I felt this before. Maybe she's not going to cheat. And yeah, like more than likely, I mean, the last 20 years she's cheated. So yeah, what do you... What do we think is going to happen? Warriors cannot let this top eight chance slip. Are you a new side? Are you a different side? They kind of looked at when Todd Payton was the coach in 2020, but now just reverting and regressing back to the Warriors' ways, even with some very elite players in the team, which is that screams mediocrity about an organization when you have some awesome players. And it's like, I kind of understand why Roger Tuivasa-Shek left because it's like, Auckland Blues are going awesome and All Blacks, for fuck's sake. And it's like, why? I mean, you only have a certain time window of opportunity with time before your body breaks down. And it's kind of like, well, if I'm at the Warriors and this is how it's going to be, like we'll get ourselves up to 10th and then just slip up and miss the eight every year. Why, why wouldn't he go to the Blues and potentially become an All Black, go overseas and win the World Cup? So... That is where the Warriors are at for me. I'm just like, don't do it again. Don't let this chance slip. I know the Rabbitohs were the runners-up last year, but you can't let this slip. Torhe Harris is back. That is a huge morale boost. Uh, we are missing Josh Curran, who has become the staple of that side. But Jazz Tavanga, he works really hard in the lock forward position. Uh, I've been burnt before, as you can tell. It's like, who hurt you? Talking about cheating, it's like, has it been a girl who hurt you? It's like, it's actually the Warriors. That's who hurt me. Uh, so yeah, please, Warriors, if you're listening, I've been hurt enough. I've been hurt enough. Don't let this one slip. The key battle is going to be up front, the props. Adam Fanua, Blake, and Matt Lodge going head-to-head with Tavita Totola, Tom Burgess, and the other middle forwards involved, but... I feel like for South Sydney, they are really going to need to contain Lodge and Fanua Blake. And for Lodge and Fanua Blake, especially Lodge, who does have a few errors in his game, they need to stand up. Like, AFB has been incredible this season. Lodge as well, but Lodge has had way more errors and things like that. You're the marquee man. This is the key battle, so that is where it's won for me. In the middle, we want to talk about Magic Man. Well, Cody Walker, obviously. Talked about the Rabbitohs, how much strike they're missing. No Luttrell, pretty magical player. Cam Murray, pretty magical, pretty fucking hot. It seems to be the general consensus as well. So, yeah, not good. Now it's like, yeah, the team's definitely less hot for those disinclusions. Not a word. We will keep rolling. But Cody Walker, he is the magic man. They've still got guys like Damian Cook who can get the play the ball, fast play the balls, get out of dummy half, cause some real havoc. You need some magic. You need If you've got a dummy half giving service, you've got to be serving it to some magical people. Cody Walker, he fits the bill. And yeah, very nervous as a Warriors fan at what he could potentially do to us. Point of difference out on the left wing, Alex Johnston for the Rabbitohs. Another who I'm like, God, is he going to score like six tries or something? I don't know. I really don't know, but he is a point of difference. And when he first debuted for the Rabbitohs the year that they won the grand final, myself included, everyone was like, why are you dropping Nathan Merritt? Club legend, one of the great try scorers of all time. And now it's like, holy shit. Like Nathan Merritt, one of the greatest Rabbitohs of all time, at least in the modern era. And yeah, Alex Johnston now, he, he's on the same trajectory. Probably even, I don't know if better is a word, like they're totally, they're different players. Nathan Merritt was awesome and such a legend. But Alex Johnson, he'll be going down as a legend of the South Sydney Rabbitohs Football Club. They tried to move him on a couple of years ago. They couldn't afford to keep him. 
And the fans literally made a petition like, we need to keep this guy. So Alex Johnston, that's a point of difference when your own fan base are like, no, 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 fucking sign this guy. We are keeping this guy. So Alex Johnston came in for Nathan Merritt. And if you're going to displace a club legend, you better not let this guy go. So Alex Johnston has potential to absolutely dick the Warriors. And that is not so magical from my perspective. But look, the Rabbitohs, yeah, they could definitely, it could be a 70 nil or something. Warriors could definitely get a hiding. But I do like Lodge, Adenfanua, Blake, Jazz Tavanga, Ewan Aitken, and Torhu Harris. I think our Ford pack, with the loss of Cameron Murray for the Rabbitohs, our Ford pack on paper should be better on this occasion. So I am going to keep the faith. Hopefully at some stage in this game, Rabbitohs go down to 10 men. Maybe that's our best chance. But I, I'm going to go, let's go on Warriors. I'm keeping the faith. Probably have egg on my face. But look, I've had some good picks. And the last few weeks, I've had to go against them. I was like... Storm, look, let's be real. I mean, I would have looked like a real dickhead if I took the Warriors and they got smashed 70 to 10. Uh, I took the Sharks as well last round. And then they went down to 12. And I was like, oh, yeah, Warriors, we're going to win this. And we didn't. So why the hell am I predicting the Warriors here? Uh, You basically put it down to they're my team. Because if I'm judging on what I've seen this season, I should absolutely be tipping the Rabbitohs. But I'm keeping the faith. Rabbitohs are a very beatable team right now. Cameron Murray out, Latrell Mitchell out, no Adam Reynolds, no Wayne Bennett. Pretty good time to be running into the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So I think we can get it done only really because I'll be supporting them this weekend. So don't put your money on the Warriors based on solely this selection because it is biased. I am just cheering the Warriors on. But going to take the Warriors over the Rabbitohs. Why? Fuck, who knows? JJ, who are you going? Probably not the Warriors... I know you don't support the Warriors, so let, let's get a non-biased opinion on this game. Yeah, look, you definitely have a right to be concerned. Uh, Warriors have been extremely patchy throughout the season, shown defensive frailties, especially on the edge. But funnily enough, this game has a bit of a Warriors win about it. I don't know why. Actually, no, I do know why. I think it's because I'm pretty down on the Rabbitohs right now. They've struggled with creativity and attack especially, and it, I think... Yeah, obviously this Nicarima pickup is like trying to address a bit of that. But, you know, when you come into a new setup, the the combinations aren't there. The chemistry isn't there immediately. And for that reason, partly, I'm, I'm going to take the Warriors in a bit of an upset. I also think they're going to be slightly more um, adept in the Queensland conditions because they have been, that's been their base for a while. Yeah, I'm just really down on the Rabbitohs, basically. So surprisingly, I'm going to take the Warriors in this one. Alrighty, well, I know definitely if someone slash aka no one texts me saying, what are your plans for Saturday night? I'll be saying, Saturday evening, I'm going to be sitting down to watch the 14th place Titans take on the 11th place Dragons. They'll be like, actually, I'm getting married. And I'll be like, I am going to be sitting down to watch the 14th place Titans up against the 11th place Dragons. Too much at stake. Got to be home for this one. So look, Titans, they've been a cause for concern Round nine, they were my cause for concern across every team in the competition. Look, the teams are like the Knights are coming last. We know that they've already been cause for concern. But Titans are supposed to be building. They released a new uniform and a new logo and the Premiership aspirations and the Tino Fasil Malawi signing and David Fafita. Well, they're sitting 14th and their defense has been shit. 
and everything else. Like they're an awesome team and really great players and they would absolutely roll me. Uh, so yeah, no disrespect in saying shit, but like I was trying to think, how, what is, what's a word to describe the Titans defense? And it's been shit. Oh yeah. It's what's losing them games. It's why they're sitting 14th. So the 11th place dragons, maybe not in the best place to exploit that, especially given they're going for more of an experience than X factor with guys like Moses Embai preferred at fullback over Tyrell Sloan. But the Titans, they are my cause for concern right now. They were belted by the Roosters. And yeah, if you want to be like, hey, don't call the Titans defense shit. Well, the Roosters put 44 points on them. James Tedesco scored three tries. Suwali scored a double. So like, yeah, shit defense. And that is what's letting them down. We know they can attack. We know they can score tries. The defense has let them down. But there have been mass changes by the coach, Justin Holbrook. I will get to that in a moment, but spots are up for grabs, no doubt. It hasn't been acceptable, and now Holbrook's had enough. He said, if you guys aren't going to defend properly, well, they actually have really quality depth ready to step up. So I think that's a perfect call. Now it's like, we've got these quality players. One of them, Esan Masters, is stepping in, and New Zealand International. Like, they've got guys who are able to step in and fill the role. So Holbrook has had enough after that belting at the hands of the Roosters. Speaking of beltings, Dragons not much better up against the Storm, but the Storm have been doing it to everyone at the moment. And look, yeah, as I said, mass changes for the Titans. Brimson retained at 5'8", or he goes back to 5'8", sorry. He'd been at fullback. Will Smith is out, I assume, for Hollywood filming commitments or something like that. It didn't specify. Philip Sammy and Jermaine Azako are going to be on the wings. Philip Sammy, a game changer on that left wing. And Jermaine Azako, I rate him significantly more as a winger than a fullback. So I actually think that's the best place in the Titans lineup for him. So we see Greg Marziu and Corey Thompson drop out. And Sammy and Azako on the wings. Patrick Herbert gets dropped. And Esan Masters, New Zealand international, comes into the center position, which... He signed midway through last year from the Cowboys. Just things weren't going well for Essan, but this is a great chance for him to work his way back into the NRL setup consistently. And if he can have a barn burner of a performance, well, he gives him a chance of cementing himself as the permanent right center for the Titans. So big weekend for Essan Masters ahead. We see that Kevin Proctor has been dropped. His performance is just clearly not good enough. Isaac Liu moves from the front row to the back row with Jared Wallace starting at prop. For the Dragons, it's going to be the same 17 that they had last week. We saw a late change where Jack Bird switched to the back row. Missed a hell of a lot of tackles against the Storm too. They exploited that. And Talatau Amone back into the 5'8 position. A little bit too late for my supercoach draft. Had to get rid of him. There was a bit of a fuck around. Uh, but... Talatau Amone, he is the 5'8 for the Dragons this weekend. And keeping on the halves theme, well, the key battle in this game is going to be the halfbacks. You have the young, inexperienced Toby Sexton, who's a very, very quality prospect, up against Ben Hunt, who has definitely the experience advantage, the form advantage. His team are higher on the ladder. He's the, he's the side's captain, so like... He is essential to getting his side the win. That's what the halfback position is all about. And Toby Sexton, he's still having to learn that. He's still having to learn exactly how do you win games and close out really tight games. So Ben Hunt, he's been around for a hot minute. He's already learned all of these things. 
And it's going to be a really big battle because if Toby Sexton's not up for it, well, we know that Ben Hunt is and he will absolutely stand up and take center stage unless Toby Sexton and everyone around him can do a really big lift for this Gold Coast side. The Titans, they are the third Queensland side right now. Awful defense. Broncos have definitely overtaken them. Cowboys have overtaken them by miles. Dolphins coming in next year. If the Titans don't get their shit together, they may be, instead of winning two premierships in the next 10 years or whatever their plan was, uh, well, they could be just trying to be the best Queensland side or the third best. So that is what concerns me about the Titans. What doesn't concern me is that we see Jaden Campbell return at fullback for the Titans. It is about time. Look, I think there's been a bit of a blow-up about what's going on with Jaden Campbell. He's young. He's still growing into his body. They were losing at the start of the year, so there's no harm in giving him a couple of weeks in reserve grade and just give him that time. He probably isn't going to be ready to do a full season of NRL just yet, but he's a game-changer. Like He is their first-choice fullback. That is what it should stay, in my opinion. I know Karen Foran coming to the club next year may change things. One of either Sexton, Brimson, or Jaden Campbell is going to potentially have to just take a step back. Maybe Toby Sexton. Maybe they just take a, like, a year or two to further develop him. But Jaden Campbell back for this game, that is a massive inclusion. Very, very exciting young player. In fact, Jaden Campbell is my magic man. His father, Preston Campbell, you want to talk about magic? Preston Campbell, very magical player. A uh, huge fan of his when he was at the Panthers in 2003. Uh, and look, I believe so. No one fact-checked me on that. I'm pretty sure that's where I first saw him. I spent some time at other clubs, including being a foundation and probably one of the most integral members in the initial foundation Gold Coast Titans side. So it's pretty crazy. Titans only established 2007 we were all alive, or most of us were alive. I don't know if anyone that's like, shit, you'd still, if you were born in 2007, you'd be fucking old enough to listen to this. Wow. Uh, bombshell. But yeah, yeah, for fucking Jaden Campbell's old enough to play NRL, and his dad was playing in 2007. So yeah, that's kind of one of the first few times in my generation where now I'm starting to see guys or kids of like guys that I watched growing up. Which now, like, I understand when my dad has, like, talked about things or, yeah, the way people view that kind of stuff. It is cool. It's like, holy shit, Preston Campbell's son, and he's fucking awesome. In fact, he's the magic man. So look for some magic from Jaden Campbell this weekend. For the Dragons, well, they're just trying to get their finals aspirations back on track. Before the year started, everyone was saying, like, are these guys going to be the dark horses that go way better than anyone thought? And everyone was like, Cowboys are shit, fuck the Cowboys as well. Well, it's actually the Cowboys who fulfilled that role. And the Dragons, they're 11th, so they can they can still pull together. But yeah, they've got finals aspirations. And losing to the Gold Coast Titans, who sit in 14th, would probably fly in the face of a side that is trying to make the finals. So that is a very interesting one. My point of difference is going to be Jaden Sullivan. He is playing off the bench for the Dragons can cover dummy half, can cover the halves. He's got a bit of magic as well about him. So I think coming off the bench, uh, Jaden Sullivan could be a real point of difference. And we've obviously got the coaches, Justin Holbrook up against Anthony Griffin, both still in search of their first ever NRL premiership. So they've got plenty of time. Anthony Griffin been around for a while longer in the NRL setup than Holbrook has, but Holbrook with a very extensive resume over in the Super League. So... Look, should be an absolutely cracking contest. 
definitely one of those 50-50 games where I'm on the fence. But i got to make a prediction. And I'm going to take the Gold Coast Titans. They're in Queensland, so they technically have that home ground advantage. And I like the changes. I think the guys who are coming in are going to realize that, hey, if I perform well here, if we get the win, we'll be in the team next week. And who's to say we won't be in the team the week after that? Like, are they going to recall a side that's been struggling? So I think the Titans with these changes, look, it is going to affect combinations. But I think in a really tight contest, they can actually get it done. Their defense concerns me a lot. I can see myself betting on this and then getting pissed off during the weekend and seeing the Titans just, just turn into absolute shambles. But ultimately, I'm going to take the Gold Coast Titans over the Dragons. Again, not a heap of confidence in this one, but I do like the changes. Esan Masters, quality player like Jermaine Azako on the wing, Philip Sammy back, Jaden Campbell back. Just going for the Titans. Only just. I'm going to swing over to JJ before I change my mind. So taking Titans over Dragons. JJ, what's your read on this one? Yeah, you make a lot of good points there, Mick. Um, But for this one, I'm going to jump into a pretty rapid pick. I definitely consider the conditions. The changes are interesting for the Titans. But for mine, despite the ladder positions, the Dragons are still just a class above. And I think they're going to get it done readily. Obviously, they got walloped by the Storm last week, but who hasn't? Um, So, yeah, pretty easy one for me for this one. The Dragons, pretty convincingly. Now it is time to get into the game that everybody is talking about. All eyes are going to be on this game in particular. Saturday night, it is the first place Melbourne Storm, who are tearing everybody up at the moment, up against the second-placed Panthers. Consistent. 8-0 to start the season before losing to the Parramatta Eels. Such an Eels thing to do. And look, the Panthers suffering their first loss right before this game. Maybe not the worst timing. And this, this is the game of the regular season. I know they're probably going to meet later in the year as well. But let's not forget that this is Magic Round. It's Suncorp Stadium. All the fans of every club are going to be there. And this is the marquee game. This is the main event Saturday night and the one that has the most important storm up against the Panthers looking at the Panthers eight wins this season They've beaten the Seagulls Dragons Knights Rabbitohs Bulldogs Broncos Raiders and the Titans so Penrith Defeating all the teams that came up. They came up against on the way Uh, Not heaps of high-level teams throughout that run, but still Penrith have looked awesome For the Melbourne Storm, they've had wins this season over the Tigers, Rabbitohs, Bulldogs, Raiders, Sharks. They put 70 points on the Warriors. They put like 50 points on the Knights. And then they put 40 points plus on the Dragons. So Storm in an absolutely rich vein of form. But one thing to note as well is that there are some changes, which I'll get into in a moment. So that Storm side, a little bit different in terms of combinations. But firstly, let me talk about the one loss that both of these sides have had this season. The Eels. Both sides. Their only loss has been to the Eels. What the fuck? So, Rogue. But I think that tells us that the Eels, they they can get it done. I don't care if they drop a few games at the end of the season and you get like James Hooper being like, nah, they're done. They're they're faders. They're pretenders. They're not going to get it done. I I've seen they've beaten the storms more times than the storm have beaten them in the last couple of years. So 
figure that. What the hell, Parramatta? But then they go and lose to, like, the Tigers. I just don't know. But that's a very Parramatta thing. But definitely, I think we can confirm going into Magic Round now. Don't sleep on the Eels. They've proven now. They are the only side in the competition that can beat these two sides. And they beat both of them. So they've shown when the big lift comes, they can get it done. A premiership pact being made by the Eels as well. But this game is all about the Storm and the Panthers. Last week, we saw Brian Toto return. He was on the right wing, which meant that Taylor May kept his position on the left wing. Charlie Staines being dropped from the side. And we see Scott Sorensen. He returns onto the bench after falling ill last round and not taking his position on the bench. And then on the field, of course, not just warming the bench. For the Melbourne Storm, Ryan Pappenhausen is out for about six weeks. So huge loss, but that'll give him a chance to work on his niggling injuries, iron some of those out and come back fresh for the part of the season that really matters the most. So we see that Nick Meany, he prefers the position of fullback. He will be playing fullback for the Storm in this one. Dean Aramia comes onto the wing since Meany has moved off the wing. So the young Melbourne star, he's a very quality young kid. Very happy to see him get another start this season. Not his first game this season either. We also see Marion Seve, who he's played games throughout. He's been around for quite a few years now, but has never nailed down consistent NRL football. Has also had trouble with injuries, but Remus Smith is out. So we see Marion Seve comes into the center position. As I mentioned before, a bit of a different look Melbourne Storm in terms of their combinations, especially with their back line. So it's going to be harder for them to put on 40 or 50, especially against the Panthers. But still, Storm in very, very good form at the moment. I mean, better than good form. Holy shit. They are in unreal form. And we have a real emerging rivalry between two powerhouse clubs of the competitions. The competition, there's only one of them, isn't there? Now, 2020 Grand Final, we had the Storm and the Panthers. Panthers having this crazy run during the year, but Storm getting it done on the day that mattered most in the 2020 season. Panthers didn't forget that, winning the 2021 Prelim Final. And we, of course, had the Storm players mocking Mount Druitt. Jeez, they've blown that one up next level, like Panthers fuming. Maybe, yeah, Panthers using it as fuel and taking anything you can use for that extra bit of motivation. Absolutely. Were they fuming? I guess we'd have to ask them. Maybe they were, but like, yeah, the, the, the media and shit just go absolutely nuts over that stuff. You got Jerome Hughes just having to be like, that's not the sort of character I am. I was like three days into drinking beers. It's like, okay, okay. Now we're getting like footy players on the beers to defend their like character over, yeah, fuming. So I'm interested. Like they definitely used it as motivation and like, there would have been some kind of like, yeah, they're talking, they're kind of mocking us uh, or where we're from. So there is some sense of like getting a lift or motivation from that. But fuming, is that really the right word? Like, were they fuming? I don't know. But uh, does that, I guess that helps people get pumped up for Magic Round and the biggest game of the season. It's not like it's first versus second or anything like that we could talk about. Or Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes up against Luai and Cleary. Uh, we'll talk about the fuming over the gestures. Yeah, definitely. That is how you get pumped for the biggest game of the regular season. As I said, it is magic round. And in the rugby league world, all eyes are going to be fixated on this game. Storm ripping every team they have come into contact with totally apart. 
and they're looking even better than they did last year, which is where they came within one game of breaking the all-time record for most consecutive wins. So they looked amazing last year. They look even better this year. And also, in the game last year, they had to break that record. Who'd they lose to? Parramatta Eels. What the fuck is going on in the world right now? So Parramatta Eels, I think it's time we pay them a little bit of respect for what they're doing. Uh, But the Storm, I mean, they are just absolutely throttling teams at the moment. Penrith Panthers, like, this is the test. Now we get to see how they go up against each other. Anything could happen. And look, for the Storm, the changes to their back five may disrupt combinations, but I think ultimately they're just in such fine form. They won't lose too much from that. And for the Panthers, they are going to want to avoid their second straight loss, which how often have we said that in the last three years? Not very often. But yeah, Panthers, they don't want to drop another one and then kind of, yeah, not it's not going to be that much of a thing. I'm sure there will be some stories of like, the Panthers are about to fall off, but it's fucking Melbourne Storm. Melbourne, what Melbourne are doing right now is simply incredible. So it's so hard not to get excited about this game. I will absolutely, when someone says, what are your plans for Saturday night? I'll say, I cannot miss this. Like, you won't believe it. Like Panthers, they are fuming about these like gestures from where they're from. It's going to be hectic, and I have to watch it. So it is going to be a ripper game. And in terms of my magic man, I've gone Stephen Crichton. Just excellent. You can play him on the wing, centers, fullback, and he's just such a gun. He has that special bit of magic that not every player has. And now he's teamed up on that right side with Brian Toto. So you want to talk about magic, there's a magical combination right there. In terms of my key battle... That is going to be in the halves. You have Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes up against Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. Right now, it's been hard to split them in terms of like who are the NRL's best halves pairing. I think last year, Luai and Cleary, they had their noses in front, especially with Origin. But this year, I'd have to say Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes in better form. But this is for the bragging rights. Like, who are the NRL's best halves partnership? Well, this is going to be put to the test in this game. And that is definitely the key battle. They are extremely instrumental in a lot of the points that are created and opportunities for their side. So that is the one I cannot wait to sit down and watch the battle between the halves. My point of difference, the Panthers back five. As I mentioned, the Storm with some disruptions to their back five. Remus Smith out, Maney shifting to fullback, Ryan Pappenhausen out. Whereas the Panthers, they've had the luxury of saying, sorry, Charlie Staines, we don't have a spot for you. Taylor May playing way too good. Brian Toto, an origin player, now fit and ready to play. Stephen Crichton, a magic man. Isaac Tago, a rising star. Dylan Edwards in career best form, like... I do think the Panthers' back five could be a real game-changer. And look, this one, it's hard to give my raw thoughts on this because I really can't split them. It's like, I won't know who the better team are until they've actually played, which is the case for most games, really. But especially this one, they are two elite sides, and I'm not going to know exactly where they're at against each other until I've sat down and seen it. But as far as my prediction... Oh, I've been umming and ahhing. I'm going to take the Panthers. I'm going to go with that point of difference that the cohesion between their back line is going to be a little more in sync. And look, to be honest, the hand gestures and the Mount Druitt mocking didn't come into my 
prediction at all. Didn't factor into it. So, yeah, didn't find that, like, maybe the Panthers found that more relevant. Like, maybe they were fuming about it. I don't know. But I just think the Panthers, I don't know. As I said, I can't give my raw thoughts. I don't know how they're going to win. Uh, I don't, like, the Storm are playing so fucking good. How do you paint a picture of how the Storm are going to lose a game? Like, it's really, really hard. But I do think the Penrith Panthers, coming off that loss, they're going to be better for it. They've had that loss. They don't have that pressure of, like, are the Storm going to, like, end this streak and the streak's on the line. And the build-up would have been monumentally, like, and significantly bigger if the Panthers were still undefeated at this point of the season. So... I think in that regard, like a little bit of the pressure eases on Panthers, not too much. And Storm have an amazing record at Suncorp, which needs to be considered as well. That was, I find it really hard to go against Melbourne Storm here. But the Penrith Panthers, they're a young side. I think they're going to be up for it. So I'm going to be taking Penrith Panthers over the Storm. When it comes to this ladder leading clash, JJ, Panthers Storm, which way are you going? Yeah, it's going to be an absolutely epic clash, as you alluded to. As you say, you could break it down on paper for days and you'd probably come out that they're both even. At this current moment, though, even though, as you said, it was probably a great time to take an L for the Panthers so they can G themselves up for this one, I just believe that uh, the Storm are just a little notch above. Um, as you say, kind of have to see how they come out on the day and who's fired up on the day, what, what the energy's like there, but... I'm going to take the Storm. I expect, obviously, the Pappenhausen being out is a factor, but I can see this being a game where Munster steps up and does some Cameron Munster's type stuff and just maybe takes over the game. Could go the other way. Could go the other way with Cleary or uh, any of the playmakers, any of the stars on the Panthers, but or Crichton, like you say, who seems to have such a good impact. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Storm, actually, in this one, and I'm sure it will be close. Now for the Sunday action, and we've got a bit of a super Sunday uh, lined up. Three games on the Sunday. Someone, Peter Valandez, someone's working their fucking magic. Three Sunday games, how good. So, yeah, I know what my Sunday plans will be. And look, last stop, Raiders securing a much-needed win against the Dogs. That would help if I actually said who was playing here, and that is the fourth-place Sharks. Up against the 12th-place Raiders, who I just mentioned got a much needed win over the dogs for the sharks well with only 12 men they embarrassed the warriors fml uh looking at the ins and outs for this one for the raiders still no jack whiten jared croker picked up a shoulder injury was really unfortunate kind of nervous scenes when he was first he was like ah like a fuck Uh-oh. but luckily he's had knee troubles so the shoulder thing it's like okay uh, it's lesser of two evils, I guess. We see that Seb Chris, he comes off the bench. He will now be starting in his preferred position of left center, which means that Xavier Savage will come onto the bench. As for the Sharks, Will Kennedy suspended for that high tackle red card up against the Warriors last time out. So just like in that game, we see Nico Hines move into the fullback position with Braden Trindle getting to play his first game this season in the number seven jersey, which is crucial. I thought that was the way they were going to go because they seem to be really high on Trindle. Hines, we saw what he could do at fullback last year for the Melbourne Storm. So I think this will work really nicely. And Jesse Ramian, he's also been suspended. So Connor Tracy moves from the left wing into the centers. And we see that Ronaldo Mulatalo back in the side. Now, last time these teams met, it was round one this year. 
Raiders getting a win 24-19 with a very late Hudson Young try. And look, I think the Sharks, now that we've had some more time to see the next eight rounds following that, Sharks looking significantly better. They have top four aspirations, whilst the Raiders are in a bit of a mini-rebuild. They still have some elite stars, but they're definitely starting to blood some of their young talent. Guys like Matt Tomoko... Uh, they've got some really good young guys as well who haven't quite made the step up yet, like Trey Mooney and guys like Xavier Savage on the bench. So Ricky Stewart now starting to think about what the next five or ten years looks like for the Raiders. And their form has dipped, but they've also got some really exciting young guys that they are bringing through. As far as my magic man, it's got to be Nico Hines. He has really taken to his role as the Sharks' marquee player. He is flourishing under Craig Fitzgibbon's coaching and we've seen how dangerous he is at fullback. So Sharks, I don't think they're going to lose anything from Hines moving to fullback. Trindle to halfback with Moylan, of course, at 5'8". Moylan being a former fullback. But now it just seems with his hamstring injuries and such in the past that maybe his time at fullback is a thing of the past. Nico Hines, though, very exciting at the back. And when you need some magic, I mean, who else in the Sharks squad but Nico Hines? He is magic down to a T. So he is my magic man. And my key battle in this game, it's going to be the young halfbacks. Braden Trindle up against Brad Schneider. Both still finding their feet in the NRL with Trindle actually having a bit more experience. But Schneider this year having more game time in the NRL. So I do think it'll be an interesting battle because they're in such crucial positions for their side. So their contribution, can't even speak English now, their contribution will have a major bearing on how their side goes. So without putting too much pressure on the young players, this will be my key battle because whichever of them can step up more, I think that'll go a long way to their side winning the game. So key battle, Brad Schneider up against Braden Trindle. And my point of difference for the Raiders, Tom Starling coming off the bench. They've been starting Adam Elliott recently in the dummy half position, which doesn't work too badly actually. But Tom Starling, he's that point of difference when the Sharks get a little bit fatigued toward the first half an hour of the game. Then Tom Starling comes on and when he rips and tears, he is one of the most exciting players in the game. So Tom Starling, definitely a point of difference in this one. But that can go the other way as well. Sharks, a really fast starting team. And maybe in that half an hour, Sharks can score three or four tries. So it can definitely backfire. But if the Raiders to win, are to win, sorry, then I definitely think that Tom Starling is a big point of difference. And one quick little factoid, Craig Fitzgibbon coaching up against Ricky Stewart in this one. Ricky Stewart used to coach Craig Fitzgibbon at the Roosters. Actually won a premiership together, so... That'll be a kind of a cool moment for Ricky to be like, oh shit, I'm getting a bit older, aren't I? Like now some of the guys I'm coaching are coaching up against me. And for Craig Fitzgibbon, like it would be cool, a cool moment. It would be like, holy shit. And Ricky would be like, I taught you well. And Craig Fitzgibbon would be like, thanks for some of the tips and knowledge that you gave me. So look, one thing that Ricky doesn't seem to have passed on is his ability for a massive blow up. Craig Fitzgibbon seems cool, calm and very composed. A lot of that I'd say down to him as a person, but also being under someone like Trent Robinson for so long, who is a bit more cool, calm and composed. So really keen to see Craig Fitzgibbon up against Ricky Stewart this weekend. And whilst I think that the Raiders are a real chance here, they did win in round one. The Sharks, their form's irresistible. And 
yeah, I said that I thought they were going to come ninth before the season. So now I'm like, you know what? I have to give the Sharks total credit. They are killing it. So in this one, I just cannot go past Cronulla. I think they're going to have too much to offer. Really like Nico Hines chiming in at fullback as well. And ultimately, in a really close one, I think the Sharks are just going to have too much strike power. So taking Cronulla over Raiders in the Super Sunday opener. JJ, uh, Sharks Raiders. This one, yeah, you, you saw the round one game. I was actually away on a business trip. So you'd have maybe a better idea on how these squads matched up. Who are you taking, Raiders Sharks? All right, yeah, I did see that clash in round one. And uh, yeah, on paper, like this is probably the most mismatched mismatched game of the round. But they usually match up pretty well stylistically. So I'm pretty keen to watch this one. As you say, Sharks have really uh, taken their game to another level, whereas uh, the Raiders have kind of regressed a little bit. Obviously, there's a few reasons, injuries and stuff like that. Um, But in this one, if the Raiders can stay in the game for the majority of it, it could be quite interesting. I also can see a blowout, possibly. But yeah, I think stylistically they'll match up well and it will be a bit closer than we might expect. Now on to the next Sunday game. Another belter. Bloody hell. This truly is magic round. We have the 6th place Roosters up against the 5th placed Eels. The high-flying Eels, even though Eels are in water and not typically known to fly. They're high-flying after literally the week before getting pummeled by the Cowboys and being very lowly. Now they're high-flying Eels, which Eels don't even do. But Parramatta, the side, they are up and about. So are the Roosters. They pump the Titans. So both sides finding a bit of that form and feeling a bit of that confidence, which at times this season they have lacked. Now, last up, as I said, Roosters belted the Titans and Eels halting the Panthers' unbeaten streak that dates back to last year and getting that grand final win. So the Eels, the first side to defeat this premiership-winning Panthers side. So Eels, definitely full credit to them. And throughout this whole round, the ladder matchups have been on point. Truly magic. Got 15th versus 16th, 7th versus 8th, 9th versus 10th, 1st versus 2nd, 5th versus 6th. Like, it truly is a great selection of some really important matchups, both at the top of the ladder, in the middle of the ladder, and down towards the kind of end, the bottom of the ladder. Every game matters and has a high level of importance, and all these sides are really closely matched. Like, they're relevant opponents for each other because these wins truly matter. It's like a four-point game. If you win this, they lose. They don't get the points, and you can climb above them in the on the ladder, which for the first verse seconds, and the fifth verse sixth, and the seventh verse eighth, ninth verse tenth, those games at the end of the season are going to turn out to be hugely crucial games. So this is the biggest round of the season, most definitely, at least to date. And yeah, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to sit down and watch this entire round. I can't wait to cover it as well on the NRL Power podcast, which will come out on the Sunday at the end of the fixtures. So that is going to be a very fun time. Jumping on to the ins and outs, Sam Verrills only just got himself back in. Now the Roosters dummy half is out. I believe it's a collarbone injury. So Connor Watson, he comes back in. I'm wondering whether they do what they've done during the season and Connor Watson actually comes onto the bench and Drew Hutchison starts at dummy half. And we've seen that Lily, Lily, Lindsay, 
It is a woman's name and a man's name, non-gender specific name. Shout out to my Lindsay's out there. Um, Lindsay Collins suspended. So Sio Tokiaho will be starting and Daniel Fafita jumped or Daniel Saluka, I believe it is, Fafita comes onto the bench. And for the Eels, same 17. Why not? If it's not broken, don't fix it. They just beat the Panthers, same 17. That's good for the Eels. They've had a lot of injuries and had to do a lot of chopping and changing. So nice for the Eels to get a full 17, trotted out for two weeks in a row, especially the side that just beat the Penrith Panthers. And this is two elite sides of the comp. I know the Roosters and the Eels have had their shortcomings, especially this season for the Eels for quite some time now. Uh, but they are two elite teams of the competition. That most definitely needs to be said. And the Eels, look, they had a much easier task in round nine. They beat the Titans. They fucked up the Titans, to be honest. Uh, whilst the Eels, they gave it their all. They put everything they had into getting that two-point win over the Panthers. So it does make me wonder, look, they're going to have a better battle-hardened kind of test coming into a game like this than the Roosters up against a soft-as-hell Titans defense. But the Eels, I do wonder, are they going to be at 100%? Just how much of themselves did they give last weekend to get that W over the Panthers? Because if they come out and they beat the Roosters, that is going to be monumental. The Roosters... The Panthers and the Storm were the three teams. Everyone going into the season were like, these are the benchmark teams. Winner of the season probably comes from these three teams. So if the Eels beat all of them early season, I mean, yeah, I can't really fault that, even though they have had some shitty losses throughout the season. Like, they've won the fights that mattered or the games that mattered. This isn't a fight. We don't. They don't fight in the NRL anymore, unfortunately. So I'm just ranting these days. I'm like... Um, but yeah, no more ranting. Just kidding. There will be ranting, but yeah, Eels, are they going to be at 100%? And it's going to be really interesting as well with the halves. Eels going back to the tried and true combination of Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses. If the Eels are to win a premiership, that is the halves combination in my opinion. If you take one or both of them out, I don't think the Eels can win it this year. But with both of them, I truly can envision them lifting the premiership. And as for the Roosters, like this hugely talked about and hyped partnership of Luke Carey and Sam Walker, not taking off as quickly as some people had hoped, but the halves battle in this one, definitely going to be an absolute cracker. And Mitch Moses, what is his future? He wants the million dollars. Does he go to a team like the Dolphins? Does he take less to stay at Parramatta? I don't think so. They've lost Reed Marnie. They're losing Isaiah Papali'i. They're losing a few other guys as well. Uh, Clint Gutherson has stayed on. So has Junior Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard. But I don't think the Parramatta Eels are going to give Mitch Moses that million dollars that he is after. I think that's where maybe a club like the Dolphins swoop in to try and ease and alleviate some of that pressure on not having this marquee signing, at least by the perception of the media. Like they have some really good signings, like the Bromwich brothers Felice Kafusi, they just signed Robert Jennings, Tom Gilbert, Connolly Lemuelu. Uh, so yeah, the Dolphins building nicely, and Mitch Moses could definitely complement that. A side like the Bulldogs could use him, but I know they have some cap pressure. A side like the Raiders could absolutely use him. Tigers maybe, but I don't know. That's probably just you don't go back. You don't go back, I don't think, to the Tigers. Knights sure as hell could use him. Like everyone 
will be throwing money at Mitch Moses. That is guaranteed. So I think he will become the next million dollar man. And in terms of this, like, Parramatta Premiership, Premiership Pact. You can either Parramatta Premiership Pact. That one, a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, But yeah, I can understand that maybe this is it. This is where they have to go for it. Kind of like last year with South Sydney Rabbitohs. It's like, you've got Adam Reynolds, you've got Wayne Bennett, and they're leaving. It's like, let's go for it now. Well, we've got the full strength operation. So for the Eels, if they don't go for it now and they're not successful, like, I don't know what their side looks like over the next two or three years, especially if Mitch Moses leaves. So I think Mitch Moses is going to leave. I think Reid Marnie, he's walking out the door. They've got the premiership packed for this year. After this year, I think potentially, I have never talked to Mitch Moses. I have no idea what he's thinking. But I think all bets are off after this year. It's like, all right, fuck it. If we don't win the premiership and then Reid Marnie's going and the whole thing with Parramatta, my thing for a while was like, yeah, they've got a pretty good team. They were just lacking a number nine. There was just something not working with the number nine. Uh, and wow, train screeching. But yeah, it's worked ever since Reid Marnie's got there. Now that he's leaving... I just don't know. And I think Mitch Moses, they're not going to give him the million dollars and he could go somewhere else. He's like, okay, well, if Parramatta don't look like they're going to be in a position to win the premiership in the next couple of years, and if he looks back and says like, well, when we had Marnie as hooker and like Isaiah Papali'i, like we didn't even get it done then at the Eels. Why don't I try my hand somewhere else? So Mitch Moses in his future, that is definitely something I'm thinking about i'm considering i'm gonna come to the warriors bro i'm sure we could use you but we do have a lot of halves but mitch moses really quality player so that's my tip i think he's gonna leave the eels i don't know where he's going dolphins could make sense and my thought process and evidence none uh no oh the thought process was laid out there but evidence none no evidence or substantial facts to back that up but i do mark mark my fucking words mitch moses is gonna leave and if he doesn't and he re-signs do not mark these words please don't mark these words now roosters their hooker situation sam verrill's only just got back in now he's injured actually a premiership winning dummy half as well but the options outside of that haven't been working they've let freddie lusick go released him to the warriors as well so it looks like ben marshke uh, Drew Hutchison, and there's someone else who is, I think is escaping me, unless there's not. Um, but look, it's about the hectic cheese. Brandon Smith. Roosters seem like they're not going to be overly aggressive to try and hunt that premiership this year. And I think next year when Brandon Smith arrives, that's when they're going to have hopefully have everything in place. But another major narrative is that the Roosters can't seem to fit Angus Crichton in their cap. So... Yeah, it it looks weird. You'd expect the Roosters to pull some strings and Angus Crichton stays. And yeah, I haven't read it too much into it. And the media do love to sensationalize things. But potentially another thing to think about is Angus Crichton and his future. A lot of clubs could do with a guy like Angus Crichton. So I would expect the Roosters hold on to him. But gee whiz, there'll be some clubs with some money under their cap. Dolphins already have a couple of back rowers, so maybe not there. I'd say maybe a Sydney club. And he does have a rugby union background. So you better believe the Wallabies, they'll be perking up at this news, surely having a go at him as well. So Angus Crichton, yeah, some of the headlines surrounding him going into this game. I expect him to 
you know, perform and give a good response. I think he'll be fired up to just play for the Roosters, focus on the now, focus on the task at hand. The Angus Crichton, nothing but a professional, but that is definitely a side note. Both sides lingering around the top four, so the winner of this starting to feel real confident about their chances this season. Whilst the losers, they kind of have to go back to the drawing board in some respect, given that a fair chunk of the season's been played now, and they had top four aspirations, and they wouldn't be inside the top four, but they're about where they want to be, both sides. They could be higher, but they're both about where they want to be, sixth and fifth, so it's going to be a really quality game. Magic man, got to be James Tedesco, hat-trick last week, running for around 300 metres, 250, whatever, every week. That's magic. It's consistency. His consistency is the magic. People get hyped about Pappenhausen because Pappenhausen's fucking awesome and all these other players. But Tedesco, it's like, oh, yeah, whatever. But we knew he was going to do that. It's like, oh, whatever. He scored a hat-trick. Yeah, but he's James Tedesco. So it's like, it's like he's already the New South Wales Blues fullback. Who else could maybe play there? It's like, as I said before about the Eels, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Like, gee whiz. So magic man, James Tedesco. Consistency is the magic. Consistently magic. That's his go. That's his MO. Point of difference. Reed Marnie for the Eels. As I mentioned, the Roosters dummy half situation. Not a lot of clarity there. Maybe Connor Watson spends the bulk of the time playing in that position. But for the Eels, they know exactly who their number nine is. They have their first choice dummy half as well. Reed Marnie. Outside chance for Queensland selection, but Harry Grant playing far too good. Ben Hunt, really good last year as well. So Reed Marnie, just on the outskirts of origin, but he's an absolute point of difference for the Eels here. And if you want to look bigger picture, then that's a major loss. That's your point of difference. And you're losing that. I don't know exactly. They have Mitch Rain. Maybe they have a young guy. So they're going to just... Oh, Josh Hodgson. They signed Josh Hodgson, who just he's coming off an ACL injury. Uh, and yeah, like Josh Hodgson can do an awesome job for cheaper. So potentially that works out really well. And I am a massive fan of Hodgson. So I do hope that works out well. But yeah, you're losing your point of difference. You're letting him walk out the door to the Bulldogs. And I just don't know in the bigger picture how that works out for the Eels. In terms of my key battle, it is Mitch Moses up against Luke Carey. Both of them, they are the organizing halfbacks, but they also have plenty of attacking flair. It is magic round, so I'm expecting them to flex some of their magic. And it's going to be all down to them because, look, Dylan Brown, very exciting. Sam Walker, still young and emerging. But Luke Carey, Mitch Moses, they are the proven big game players. So they're going to need to step it up in their head-to-head battle against each other. And I love the fixtures for magic round. We have another blockbuster on our hands. As far as which way I'm going, I'm going to go with the Sydney Roosters over the Parramatta Eels. And basically, I'm just going to put it down to, I think Parramatta gave it everything last week to beat the uh, Penrith Panthers. And I think that, yeah, the Roosters didn't have to do as much and just pumped the Titans. Maybe that works against them because the Eels are coming off such a battle-hardened test. But ultimately, I think through the course of the 80 minutes, the Roosters are going to come up with the right game plan to get the win. So in what is going to be another blockbusting clash, Cannot wait to sit down and watch this. I'm going to be taking Roosters over Eels. JJ, your thoughts on this one? 
yeah, it should be another ripper clash here. I really like the points you make, especially the one about the energy levels of the eels. I definitely subscribe to that logic. They definitely gave it their all. But I'm actually going to go with that reverse logic that they're actually going to ride that momentum from that game, from that huge win. And I've actually, yeah, I've had my questions about the Roosters this season. I haven't watched them as closely as I would have liked, so I can't pinpoint it exactly. But I think um, they just took a little bit to get going once Kiri came back, like they hadn't quite found their full flow. Maybe last week or the last few weeks, they've kind of stepped it up a bit against some lower uh, opponents. So this will be a huge test. I'm always extremely tentative to tip the Eels, and I will not be putting any money on the Eels. But my tip will be for the Eels. I think they're going to ride the momentum from last week and get the job done over the Roosters. Alrighty, wrapping up Magic Round. Last game on the slate, we got the Cowboys taking on the Tigers. Another interesting clash. Cowboys have surprised a lot of people this season, um, exceeding expectations, most people's expectations, on the back of some solid defense, good home performances as well. They've upset some good teams. The Tigers, yeah, they've been pretty mediocre. We've waxed lyrical on the five captains, but they've quieted, quieted some of the doubters, I guess, in the past couple of weeks, picking up some wins. Um, they're definitely building. Luke Brooks has looked quite good in the halves. Looked like he's had some good game impact. But for this one, the Cowboys, I think this is where, if they are the team that they're showing them, themselves to be this season... They should get this win. They should get get it convincingly. They should not lose to the Tigers. But the Tigers have proven to be a danger team. So it should be a good watch. Mick, what are you thinking on this one? You know what? For this one, why not just make it a rapid one? A rapid pick from me. Cowboys have going been going sensationally. Unbelievable. Like, could not be more impressed with the Cowboys. They have some form of home ground advantage here as well. Playing in Queensland, they'll be more used to the conditions. Tigers, this one's fucking with my head because I'm feeling Tigers. And there's been a few like things throughout the season, like Eels versus Tigers and Parramatta Eels versus the Panthers, where I was like, there's a danger team where I'm like, oh, man, it just seems like Cowboys are going to win. But I'm, then I'm like... I don't know, there's something that's leaning me toward the danger team. And I'm like, ah, oh, conditions, all of that. Everything points toward Cowboys. So I'm like, maybe I need to just quit while I'm ahead and go for the Cowboys. Because everything, form, the team. I mean, the back line, you've got Valentine Holmes going up against Garner, who's pacey, but he's a back rower in the centers. But I, I, I'm going Tigers. I'm going to go with the West Tigers. And I'm going to trial this little danger team theory because I feel like the Tigers are a danger team here and I, I can't put my finger on what it is I can't quite explain to you why that is because when I look at the teams and when I compare everything I'm like oh gee Cowboys should win this and they're in way better form they're sitting third and I actually believe in the Cowboys this isn't because I'm discrediting what they've done I'm actually fully on the bandwagon I think they're going to be a final side this year they will be very unlucky if they are not but Something about this game just seems like if I just go with the blind, like Cowboys are going to win and throw my money on it without thinking about it too much, this seems like one that could really trip me up. Uh, in saying that, going for the Tigers could fucking, you know, my pants could fall down and I'd slip on a banana peel and fall flat on my face. 
that's the kind of Tigers vibe. But you know what, Tigers? I've been fucking ragging you guys all year. I, I honestly don't know if I've tipped the Tigers yet once in the first 10 rounds. Potentially not. I said they were going to finish last this year. I said the Cowboys were going to finish 15th. They could finish in the top four. So uh, the more I talk, the more I'm like, what is going on right now? But I'm going to go the Tigers. I'm going to just throw this one out there and I'll be watching intently. And yeah, the best excuse I can give is a danger game. I think this is a danger game for the Cowboys. And the West Tigers, yeah, that I fuck, I actually don't know. They're probably going to lose. And looking at the team, everything, all signs point to the fact that they are going to lose. But I'm, I'm going to go with the Tigers. So there we go. I don't know what else to say from there. Going to take the Tigers over the Cowboys. That has been all eight games wrapped by myself and JJ. An especially curious prediction at the end there. I did go, oh, we both went Warriors over Rabbitohs as well. So, yeah, some interesting predictions there. Now the fun part, sitting down and watching all of these games. I mean, Storm and Panthers, that's the game of the round, game of the season. So I can't wait for that. But all the games are going to be absolute bangers. So it's going to be so much fun. And don't forget, we always chase up our thoughts on the round. So I'll be recording the NRL Power podcast And what I'm going to do this week is after each game, immediately after the game, I'll record some thoughts and comments on that. So then basically it'll be live, so a bit raw. I won't have as much time to think about it, but I will plan out kind of what talking points I want to get to. But I'll be covering all the round, make myself accountable for these picks. And also, yeah, just basically now I've pumped it up for an hour and a half. Now it's time to actually see how all of this plays out. So I'm hoping my picks can be pretty sound. I know JJ's feeling the same way. And Magic Round, this is the most exciting round of the season so far, potentially of the entire regular season. And with Origin just around the corner, it feels like the season really starting to heat up. So Magic Round could not be more excited, given all eight of my tips. And JJ has done the same. So until the NRL Power podcast, Not much for us to do here. And remember, if you enjoyed the podcast, do not forget to follow us on Instagram at NotJustASportsReport and on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, you'll be able to hear the NRL Power Podcast. Just got through that. Power Power Podcast as soon as it is out. So very exciting times. Stage two is upon us. We, We have the laptop. We've got the full... 99% 99% swag, 99% loaded. Everything is there. There is only one more percent to load, and then it is fully launch time. Going to be able to pump this out at absolute premium capacity. So very, very exciting times. If you enjoyed this podcast, then you're going to love what is coming up. So plenty going on at Not Just a Sports Report. Plenty going on in Brisbane this weekend for Magic Round. And yeah, until the Power Podcast, uh, enjoy the fucking game. Have a magical weekend.